0: Good evening, everybody.
1: How are you doing, Mr. Leo? I'm doing so good, RFM. How are you?
0: I can always get an easy laugh out of you at the top of every show. All I do is is. look in the opposite direction from where you are on the screen and say, how are you doing, Bill? And you start laughing.
2: And then the Holy Ghost compels me to look at the opposite direction than where you're actually at and uh, to play along. So I love it. Welcome to Mormonism Live, everybody. RFM, life is treating you good? Better than I deserve. I'll tell you that. Love it. Well, I love it. I understand Uh, that there's been a class action
0: filed against the church yesterday.
2: Yeah, you know, you did a TikTok a while back where you said this SEC thing that happens. Like, wouldn't it be interesting Mm. if somebody filed a lawsuit and because the church intentionally hid the financial information because they admitted because they feared that tithing would go down and decrease, that now people could come forward in a class a class action lawsuit and sue the church saying that had they known the church's financial information they wouldn't have paid tithing and strangely enough RFM your your prophecy seems to be coming true
0: well it was pretty obvious even to a lowbrow like me yeah but uh, <laughs> well, yeah and that was brilliant that, that tiktok has gone went crazy it's on mm-hmm. the cusp of 150,000 views people mm. were really intrigued by the idea of suing the church about their tithing
2: I think you should put it out again, but this time with the face page, the the front page of that lawsuit, and then maybe a follow-up after you show that page and then say, hmm, you know, like, hmm, seems like it's starting to come to pass. And it came to pass. Humility
0: Uh, forbids me to act in such a way. Yeah. But I do hope to make time tomorrow to review the lawsuit at Radio Free Mormon.
2: I love it. I love it. Folks, we have a special episode for you tonight. We are going to interview Cody Brown from Sister Wives. I just want to note, folks, if you're new to the channel, we would love it if you're interested in all things Mormonism. uh, If you want to subscribe to our channel, if you want to like this uh, video, leave your comments. Uh, We'll certainly see those as the show is going. Uh, And we also take live calls at the end. We're going to ask that those calls uh, be respectful and polite, uh, but we would welcome a few phone calls at the end to ask Cody questions. And uh, just a, a little thing off the top, uh, we won't be discussing. And in fact, maybe I should just bring Cody on and let him sort of uh, name this. So give me a second. And here's Cody Brown. Cody, how are you? Blessings.
1: Excellent. Peace be unto you. Uh,
2: Peace yeah, out. Peace. I'm glad to see Peace you, my friend. You. Um, just to, I wanted to give you a moment to kind of state the, the areas we won't be going into tonight. And then we'll, uh, we'll start asking some really good questions and uh, get to know you a lot better.
1: Yeah, I, I won't do any TLC spoilers. I'll discuss yes. even that altogether very little. And um, and I'll talk more to my experiences uh, as, a church of the, uh, as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and then my experiences as a fundamentalist Mormon outside of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints.
2: Yeah, I love that. And we're super grateful that you gave us some time today. And uh, you and I know each other a little bit. We have a common friend and... Uh, I've had the chance to rub elbows with you and uh, just grateful for the chance to get to know you and to, for our audience to get to know you better. So super excited to, oops, I think he bumped a button again. Ooh. Here we go. Oh, there we go. Let's did try that. Did you see that? Yeah, we did. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bill, my daughter
1: worked for you. Uh, she considered you her direct manager when yeah. she worked uh, uh, years ago. And uh, yep. she we, had a we worked in a pawn shop you, together. So I love it. My Compliments it. to you.
2: Yeah, I want to. I want to start off, uh, Cody. Just talking a little bit about, you know, you're you're a reality, uh, you're a, a uh, you're on a reality TV show, and uh, I can't imagine putting your personal life up in front of cameras. And so, you know, when you guys are filming, you're just living your life, and the cameras are following you, you around and and filming you. Um, maybe talk for a moment about how difficult it is to have. You and your family in front of cameras, and what that, how that plays out, what that does to to a group of folks—good and bad—I'm uh, sure. Well,
1: um, the effects, the desired effect, almost happened, uh, and to be fair, it actually did happen. So, holy cow! Um, in 2007, um, the the story starts out like. This I stepped on a stage in a uh, a demo reel for a talk show in New York City with seven my seven oldest children and three wives that I had at that time, and I just felt like um, uh, there was uh, an experience when I stepped on that stage to basically tell people about my life. It was as simple as this: I I felt a sort of a sense of a calling. I felt like in you know, a absolute terms, this is what I'm supposed to do. It was a weird experience, because I didn't know. And uh, two years later, I found myself in a reality show. And when I was trying to work to those ends with my family, we, I thought, had agreed as a family, and I believe this still that we had agreed as a family, even our kids, that in order to get a fair shake as a polygamist family, we would have to allow people into our homes um, we met a documentary filmmaker. He said he wanted to do a documentary, and I said, No way, man. If you can't farm us out to a network where we're gonna be, you know, every Wednesday night on television, we ended up being in Sunday night, which is their big night. If we can't be there every night, let those people into our home and see us in our real and raw way, we'll never get their trust. My goal from the beginning was to free Mormon fundamentalists or polygamists in general to be able to live their lifestyle without the government or um, social uh, ostracization or mm. rejection or, or affecting their lives. And uh, we there's a long time there were other people involved, other people who helped us along this trail, other people who I think did as much as we did, just not as publicly, uh, maybe there were people out there who did more than we did. And it, eventually for the state of Utah, polygamy was decriminalized, which was our goal, our, our partial goal. I actually had a desire that, uh, the polygamy would eventually be legalized. Um, and years ago, maybe 20 years ago, 15 years ago, I started talking about legitimacy. I, I had a feeling that if, uh, plural wife had legal rights to her husband the same way that a first wife did in marriage and stuff like that, that it would kind of clean up some of the messes that were being created in some of the sects uh, with underage marriage, or even with some of the problems that they had. And, um, you know, that, that was probably a naive place. I, I have a, there's a very common statement in Mormon fundamentalism. When I was young, I had a lot of theories and no experience. Now that I'm old, I have no theories and a lot of experience. Yeah. And so we we accomplished part of the goal by decriminalizing plural marriage in Utah and kind of making it okay for fundamentalist Mormons or people in plural marriage to live more openly in that lifestyle. And that was our yeah. goal. Yeah.
2: But, but in the, the process of that, in the process of that, you're putting your you know, your conflict anytime, you know, again, I have arguments with my wife. I have arguments with my children. Uh, you put your conflict in front of the cameras. You put your embarrassing moments in front of the camera. You put the moments that you regret in front of the camera. Like I wish I wouldn't have behaved this way, or I wish I wouldn't have said that. Like how hard is it to do that in front of cameras where millions of people are watching? Uh,
1: I, in the beginning, I was a little bit, I, I had a smile on my face and was goofing off a lot. I was just trying to have fun with my family. Yeah. Uh, Uh, eventually you have to just get serious about what's happening and the struggle that's what happening and and certainly reality tv shit doesn't work if it's all pollyanna and uh it boiled down to where there was a a lot of conflict and then it eventually became a point where what we're portraying on the show is almost perpetually conflict conflict is the essence of literature if you don't have uh, I think I learned in literature, English lit, that it was conflict between man and conflict between nature. Those are your two conflicts, whatever. And uh, our conflict between man, man versus man um, was necessary, or it was it was in the beginning, it was um, man versus society. Like our family was sort of taking on society, asking, begging, please, please, would you please give us recognition or at least acceptance? And then, um, and, and tolerance, but then eventually the conflict became conflict between us. And, and uh, uh, that makes uh, great television.
2: It had to be hard but though.
1: It's, it's hard on my heart. It, the experience altogether has been heartbreaking. Very, very challenging.
0: Cody, what was it that happened last week that came to your mind when Bill asked you that question?
1: Tell me again, uh, the, last week when you say that question.
0: Bill had mentioned something me. about how uh, are there ever any times where it's got to be hard, you know, when you're doing all these things and embarrassing things, things you wish you hadn't said or done in front of the camera. And then you said just last week.
1: Oh yeah. Oh no. Last week, not. Sorry, I thought you meant when I was talking with Bill. No, just like every time I work, uh, I'm I'm in front of a camera, and um, and. It'd be like uh, once and twice in an episode, I'd do something I felt like was a little embarrassing. Sometimes it was quaint and cute even or whatever. But then it got to the point where I was doing something embarrassing that I was totally ashamed of. Um, I'm still a man of faith. And so my prayers recently have been for Heavenly Father to help me um, stop doing things that I feel shame about. Um, because my habit and the reason I think I've had a successful TV show is because the habit of the family has been to be frank and honest and we, we cross lines. And so it's like, if I don't like something, there's a tendency for me to almost feel like I've got Tourette's where I'll say something that is just out of line because it triggers me. And frankly, I'm pretty sure. This this is my rationalization, is it probably makes good television, but it's actually heartbreaking. And uh, um, whether I'm lashing out at the question of a fan or I'm lashing out at the behavior or um, interpreted behavior of a family member, um, or whether I I, uh, if I watch an episode any, when I was, when our first five years, I watched the episodes with a smile on my face, even if I did something embarrassing. Now I I, I, I almost cannot bear to watch the episodes without getting um, physically ill. And so it's, it's become overall a very sad experience.
0: Cody, you've been living all this out for I think 14 years now in public with you, your family, your wives, your children. Is there anything that's happened with your relationships with any of your family that has been caused or exacerbated, you think, by the presence of the film crew that might otherwise not have been so bad?
1: I wouldn't say the presence. Well, um, (laughs) I have a love-hate relationship with our producer, and he has a great talent for antagonizing me, almost like a a brother, you know, and we were, we had years where we were just deeply loyal to each other, but we would fight like family members. Um, And there was the effect of that because he was under pressure. He was under a lot of pressure. And as a result, that pressure would roll down onto me. And so he'd be like, I need your family to do this. I need your family to do that. And I was like, this isn't scripted. My family's just going to do whatever we want. Uh, So those were challenging experiences. Um, But In the long run, the real issue was um, that we were um, having an experience. Uh, Let's say me and a wife would have an experience or even me and one of my kids would have an experience that's being filmed and then we'd have to talk about it later and then we'd have to talk about it again and then again and then it'd be used as either potentially a rerun or a flashback or something like that. And something that you would probably forget was said and that happened. Was in your face four or five times and put put it into your memory, and as a result, led to possibly some some challenges, and so in the end, uh, you know, uh, there's been a lot that has happened, and uh, some of it has been successful and some of it has been very very sad, and I lay the blame, you know. Sorry, I don't want to go down this road. Uh, the wise man, the, the fools blames everybody else. The wise man blames himself. And the stoic says there's nothing to blame. It just is what happened. Mm. And um, I want to be stoic, but there's a lot of blame to be laid at my own feet about what has happened. And I think it's just a natural course of events. And uh, where I thought we were doing so much benefit for plural marriage, um, we, we may have, in the end, done harm. In what way? Um, well, I don't want to go into any spoilers, but um, the lifestyle we have... A, my sister once told me, who's she's never been on the show. Um, uh, she is in plural marriage. And um, she told me once... In the beginning, she said, you know, the problem with your show is, Cody, is you make it look easy, and it's not. Well, it doesn't look easy now.
0: Yeah, that was in the beginning, right? Yeah, it was. For those in our audience who don't know your current situation, would you mind explaining it to everybody?
1: Um, If they're watching the season now, um, which we are currently airing, Sunday nights, I apologize, on TLC at the wrong, I don't know the time. Because uh, it depends on your cable network. But Sunday nights on TLC, we're airing, and the experience is very dramatic. And um, the family is not functioning together any longer. Um, not, not the whole family. So uh, we have segmented or split, split stories. Yeah. Um, and so I, I film, or I, I, you'll see me talk with a wife, and it's kind of about our breakup. And and this has been ongoing. So I'm not giving any spoilers, but I'd rather let, let's get back to where we're not doing spoilers totally. or, or even totally. I don't want to walk <laughs> that thin line about totally. spoilers. I have a job to do.
2: Yep. So you, you've been on for 18 seasons. RFM pointed out 14 years. It, that's a long time. It's a long spot of life to, to be on TV and to do a show. I mean, it's longer lasting than 99% of the TV shows that have been that have ever aired on television right
1: how long was mash on television it was my yeah, favorite I no, show I have, I have no idea
0: i think it was uh, less than yours. yeah i, I think, I think it, it, was it was maybe 10, years.
1: T- 10
0: 11 possibly yeah maybe yeah, i still, i don't know
1: yeah it's it's a long time but there's just this thing that this factor that is in it is we were in a very dramatic family um it's uh i'm a very dramatic person i have other dramatic family members had other dramatic family members. And um, I think that it just, sometimes it was interesting and sometimes it wasn't. And then we had people who just tuned in cause they thought it was fun to watch. And um, I just uh, had a contractor at my house talking about doing some repair work uh, on my electricity that has been gotten funny. And he watches the show and I'm like, oh gosh. He says, I know you though. So I'm not holding any grudges. But on the other hand, I had one of my close friends call, uh, text me. She was a close friend that I worked with when we lived in Utah and she texted me and, and, uh, uh, she, she sends me a book and at the bottom of the book, she says, get your shit together. (laughs) So uh, can I say that word on this show? You say anything you want. Oh, I can. Well, I'll be careful (laughs) anyway. And I'm like, I have to text back to her, like very patiently to say, you're seeing a portion of, teeny segment of my life. And you're usually seeing the most dramatic points. And I made the mistake once when my family was going through a partial breakup of yelling at, a, uh, or not yelling, but I saying to my wives, well, I'm bringing back patriarchy. I'm going to be in charge and you guys are going to do what I say. And I, I have a, a sister who's LDS and it was the one scene in all 13 years of me being public one scene that she saw and at Christmas time we were visiting and she was chastising me for saying that and I had to stand up and pace the room so I wouldn't lose it (laughs) that she had been not loyal enough to ever check into the show but then she chastises me for the one worst day of my life Mm -hmm. and that's kind of uh one of the hard things about it is um people are going to see you and judge you in many cases by the worst day of your life. And if it keeps people sober about plural marriage and polygamy, good, because uh, I do not want this to look easy because it's not. And people who have very, very powerfully convicted faith are the only people who should do this. And I'm telling you, um, the end result of, of where we're at now with this struggle in plural marriage is the real reality of the struggle in plural marriage. And we weren't strong enough to manage it. That yeah. sacred, you guys have heard the book, the uh, sacred loneliness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, sacred loneliness is a real thing. and And there's a point where you might lose enough faith to go, I don't want to spend the rest of my life in this kind of pain. And uh, if, if God cannot manifest to me that this is the best thing for me, then I, I want out because it's that hard.
2: I, I I do wonder. Oh, go ahead. RFM.
0: I was just going to say, what is it that has caused the pain for you? And are you saying that you feel you, like you've experienced personally, the sacred loneliness that causes so much
1: pain? Um, Well, listen, I'm not going to claim that I suffered the sacred loneliness. The sacred loneliness is a book referring to women in the 1800s um, who lived plural marriage. And uh, uh, there's some journal. I think it's Parley P. Pratt's wife is Pace. No, no. Yeah, I think I I don't I don't have all my facts straight. I apologize. You're the
0: polygamy expert here.
1: No, I am not. So, you know, you guys in your research gets gets more information about polygamy. I'm only an experienced polygamist who has no theories any longer. I um probably P. Pratt's had a wife who was, I think he was out on a honeymoon or something, and she's pacing and writing in this journal about this destructive heartbreak. And uh, there came a point where one of my wives, I wanted to put all my wives in one home. And we had a big design done. It cost me thousands of dollars uh, to have this design done. Beautiful home, uh, 16,000 square feet, I think. And uh, I don't remember all the details, but I had a wife who said, There's no way I'm ever going to live in that home as this family. And it sort of broke down plural marriage for me. I went, and so there's kind of a couple of theories plural marriage, the plague barn theory. I think um, in, uh, There's a little town south of St. George, uh, and it's got a home. Of, I've lo- forgotten uh, more Mormon history than most Mormons will ever know. Um, and and he had four wives in one home. Um, Bill, is it,
2: it down in Ivan's? Maybe like William Hamlin, the William Hamlin yes. home.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, the William Hamlin home, and and he. I uh, and and he had wives in that home, and that's the plural marriage I wanted where if I come home from work, I see all my children every night, unless I'm out of town or, or gone on a trip with a wife and her children or something. And I think plural marriage is much easier for women when they don't see their husband around that other woman so much, mm. where they got four homes maybe a mile apart. Uh, from each other rather than four homes in front of each other or one home. And when I did this design of the one home and I presented it to my family, I had a wife reject that. And I started to dig into why. And I realized that in some ways my family was in way in the way of my goals in plural marriage. Um, And I, I, I I got kind of a, I got dark and um, cynical because I discovered that I was never going to be able to live plural marriage the way I wanted to live it. And I, I stopped believing that they were happy. My wives were happy in plural marriage. Now I'd had a family counselors and therapists who sit down with me and say, Hey, listen, your family's not going to be happier out of this family or your wives won't be happier out of this family than they are in it but i began to not believe that either so the family counselor who's a contemporary monogamist you know was saying your family will not be or your wives will not be happier outside of this marriage than they are in it which was was good to know but it i didn't i didn't believe it and so i'm having trouble
0: believing it too because it sounds like what you're saying is that the this uh, counselor is saying that uh, your wives will be as happy in a plural Marriage relationship is they the would be that we outside had built of it.
1: Together, uh, she is saying so. Just to clarify, she was saying that my wives would be as happy as they can be in the plural marriage that we had built as a family, mm-hmm. than they would be outside of it. In other words, if they, if I, I was, I, I was questioning the fairness of plural marriage. Obviously, yeah. it's it seems there's a dichotomy of contradictions in plural marriage and um, you have to be able to endure those contradictions. And I found myself a little bit cynical, unable to endure those contradictions anymore because I had a wife that was extremely unhappy and I had another wife that I wasn't in love with. And so that was making us in the marriage extremely unhappy. It's a tough place to be. And, and you know, if you believe the Pearl of Great Price, where it says, uh, "When I saw the noble and great ones, and there are many of them, and, and uh, as long as there was one energy, there was another entity that w- it was was that was, that was uh, more powerful than them, or greater. Greater is the word used in in the Pearl of Great Price. And so there's just this there's there's a challenge that that you cannot relax in that says you have to be better all the time better and better and better. And I think that's really been detrimental to a lot of people who are LDS in any way, is this, I have to be perfect. If I have to be perfect, then why did the Savior suffer on the cross? He was perfect. I don't have to be. But in Mormonism, there's all this pressure to be perfect. And it's, and even Jesus says it, be ye Therefore perfect, even as I and your heavenly father are perfect.
0: Matthew 5, 48.
1: Yeah. I, I want to
2: ask a couple questions about polygamy. And I'm I'm really speaking generally, I, I don't need you to get into the specifics necessarily of, of your family dynamic, but it occurs to me that like in your situation where you live like on a cul-de-sac and you've got all of your family there. Um it, it seems to me that as a as one husband is splitting his time among Multiple wives. That inevitably, what I think would happen, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but what I think would happen is that those women would perceive that they get a limited amount of time with you, that they have to put on their best face. They they don't want to be overly critical. They can't. They don't want to be the wife that nags. They don't want to. They don't want to um, be the wife that's looked at by everyone as being the one who's causing any sort of trouble. So they will feel a lot of pressure to put on. the the best appearance for the day that they've got you and and in their communication with the rest of the family. And I imagine that the husband and no knock on any of you guys, like this religious system commands you to do this and you did it. Um, But the other side of it is that for the man who is getting his time split up among all of these women, it, it seems as though there is some room to not, maybe not at least, especially as you said, like in the early parts, not be criticized, not, you could, you almost get the best version, the happiest version of each of these
1: women. And I'm just curious, like how that dynamic plays out. It, it just doesn't work. They, uh, sooner or later, they're going to explode. Um, and, um, so, um, you know, everybody gets in a bad place and, and ironically there, there's a, a woman who shares her husband has given so much, that in the path to perfection, sometimes she might feel like that's enough. Um, I felt like I was constantly doing this dance where I was like, hey, are you okay? Are you happy? I want you to be happy. I'm just trying to make everybody happy all the time. And it's kind of like running around all the time, trying to keep everybody happy. Um, And that was my job. And their job wasn't to keep me happy, even though, you know, as a smart woman, that's, that's going to work better for you. But they felt like they had given enough. And so, uh, there was always, I, I don't remember a time where I always, where I don't remember a very long time when all of my wives seemed like they were happy at the same time, somebody was always off. And, um, out of the five of us, somebody was always off me or one of my wives. Sometimes two were off, sometimes we, we were all a little off, but seldom were we all doing fantastic. And it was a big deal, the family, this big family picture, I think gave us all a lot of the sense of, of accomplishment we, we felt special. We worked together to be special, but there were always undertones of a struggle that was really hard. And, um, so I understand it. And (laughs) this is why I I struggle with my religion. I sometimes, you know, my brothers have a a podcast they do and they call our church cult light, (laughs) uh, because, um, there's just no way that you feel like that this is healthy sometimes and the requirement almost feels like beyond what people can accomplish now that's me in it having struggled so much um it's hard to look at me and see people that are happy it really is
2: yeah i think that's the crux of it is that it's a really hard lifestyle to live and that it's really difficult on everyone to the to the effect that it is a sacred loneliness if you believe in it
1: if you believe it by faith i had a friend one time uh when i was complaining about the struggles this disparity in polygamy and i'm like listen this disparity in fairness in plural marriage is just too much and he said no he's he he's a former polygamist uh and he would be still if uh, he hadn't had a wife leave he said there is no disparity in fairness If there's not a disparity in choice, in other words, if that woman can choose to be in your family or out of your family, then there, there's no disparity. She chooses to be part of a plural family or she chooses not to be. Now the problem is, is when you're choosing to be part of a plural family, you're usually young. You might not have children. You don't even know what it's like to live with that other woman.
2: You don't even know who you are and you don't even know who the people you're entering this group relationship with our it,
1: it who knows the you know like uh, you know like let's not count how many times any of us have been divorced but anybody who's been divorced just goes wait i just didn't know that person or they changed and um you know you you, when you're courting and you're dating somebody it is absolutely best put forward and my family got beautifully lucky for first few years of, of uh, our tv show because we were putting our best foot forward. We were trying really hard to be good, a good plural family, and um, and it was a good honeymoon experience because we did. We worked hard to do it, and but there's always the undertones. And here's the thing: when you're in a marriage um, and it's good marriage, you can mess up, and you'll forgive each other. You, you got a husband and wife just going, "Yeah, we love each other." So, baby, I'm sorry I did that. You know. And, oh, I forgive you, you know, and that works the minute you divorce or you're getting divorced or you're looking for a reason to divorce, <laughs> you forget to cover that sin with charity. And all of a sudden you want to tell everybody. And so what'll happen is when a couple divorce, they might've looked like they had a great marriage before, but once they're divorced, they're both telling you how awful the other person was because they're no longer willing to cover each other's mistakes with a cloak of charity. and. And uh, that's kind of the world I live in right now. And so yeah. it's, it's uh, retrospectively, there is a struggle and uh, a place where you get where you're like, wow, this was an experiment. And when I talk about cult light, nobody in plural marriage who's struggling tells you to be careful here or there. I married three women that I courted for four months, five months or less. I knew them maybe longer than that, but as far as a courtship, uh, uh, one courtship was for for uh, five months, one courtship was for one month, and another courtship, I think, was for two months. My uh, fourth wife, we courted for 10 months. But nobody in our church told us, kind of what we were getting into. So that's that's why I'm thinking eh, kind of culty thought processes because there were tons of people who were either in the process of failing in plural marriage or, or had failed in it, who were still promoting it in our church. But our church's main focus was probably plural marriage. I wish that it would have been more Christ-centered, but it really seemed to be sort of... Um, plural marriage centered and then profit centered are we'd have these leaders. And like there, there was a couple of them that I don't think had a, had anything but a spiritual disposition. They were not prophets by any means. And they were being quoted as though they were second to God. And, uh, just discrepancies.
0: Cody, can I ask you a question and get your take on it? Uh, you are an, our a man. You want to ask yes. me a question?
1: Come on, buddy. <laughs> ask it. I'm messing.
0: I'll have a few more later, but you've raised this in my mind by what you said, which is you're a man now who has lots of experience, very little theories, and the way you're describing your situation, what I'm taking from it is that you have done what you believed in your heart was something that you were supposed to do, that you have uh, done everything you could to make it work. It has not worked, if I can just summarize it in that way
1: not Can in the I'm way that you had hoped spot? it would.
0: Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. Oh, That's my question, but hopefully uh, I'll remember it. Go ahead.
1: I know for a fact that I did not do all I possibly could.
0: Are you under an if, illusion that if you'd done more?
1: Yeah. The circumstances uh, well, I,
0: now would be different.
1: It's, it's tough to say. Um, yeah. cause I had a recent discussion with, um, my, uh, my wife and, and I said, if we wouldn't have had this breakup happen over this past three years, it would be starting today. Um, that's still very cynical, but I do know that if I had done things different, maybe seven or eight years ago,
2: mm-hmm.
1: possibly, but you know what? I don't know. And, and to be really honest with you, I don't know the answer because I had a goal to have the family in the plague barn. <laughs> that's a joke in the one home theory mm-hmm. or, or the cul-de-sac theory where the homes are close together and I think that might've been part of the problem is like, if I get a, um, Mark Twain once once made a joke uh, about Brigham Young and all of his wives. And he said, the minute he buys one wife a brooch, he has to buy 40 of them. Or I think at that time, Brigham Young was admitting to 18 wives or something. He has to buy 17 more. He's, yeah. he's like, he can't do anything without having the jealousy that will roll through. And Mark Twain, and Samuel Clemens, was very astute he was very wise about this idea brigham young was a genius about how he managed it but he was a tyrant and a king samuel clemens saw it and went uh, how does this work this has got to be impossible so yes. i'm sorry that i i inter, interjected that but finish your question no, and the, get to
0: your that, that comment plays into the second part of my question which is that the way you're describing it it does seem impossible. It does seem beyond human ability uh, to make a success out of this uh, polygamous relationship. And I'm wondering, is that where you have come down as of this point in your life, that it is something that really is mission impossible? Or do you still think that if it were done differently or in some other way, um, that it could be a success?
1: I know. Minimum of five men right now uh, who are still very successful at it. Um, They're they're around my age, maybe a little bit younger, so there's still time for a failure, but they're doing a good job with it. Their family is still whole. They just have enough faith in the, let's say section 132 of the Doctrine and Covenants, they have enough belief in that that their faith in God and the principle of plural marriage is sustaining them through the difficulty. That's still supposition. I don't know, but I know people who are successful at it and I've known polygamists who are successful at it until their death. My dad's family was not necessarily happy, but my dad died with three wives and, but he didn't start his polygamy until he was nearly my age. I I
0: guess that there was some time ago at the beginning of this, the beginning of the TV program, when other people would have looked at you and thought that you were a success. And you may have thought you were a success yourself at the time.
1: I I thought I was a total success. I have a diesel jeans model coming into my family in uh, 2010. And I thought that was the biggest validation. She had other people in our church interested in her. She could have she had props or offers from other people to marry her. And she absolutely believed in plural marriage and she absolutely believed in me. She believed in our faith and she came into our family with, with great hopes um, that um, in her mind now, I, I don't wanna speak for her cause she's not here and I don't wanna have, have to be interviewed, but I believe that she feels like she was naive. Um, she's almost embarrassed by how naive she was when she came in our family. No, she's not opposed to the lifestyle. She's, she she always pushed me to fix things. I had a wife who kicked me out of the house. And she says, you go sleep on that couch. You get in her face. You tell her you love her. You get back with it. I'm like, I'm not doing that. That's the walk of shame. I'm like, she can ask me to come back. And she was always supportive of the relationship. She wanted me to push to have it go through. But she wasn't ready to see it dissolve. And I think I just came to a point where I was like, cynical enough to go, this is, this is going... I came to the point where I felt like like the lifestyle was going to kill me. Yeah.
2: I'm just curious if you had to do it all over again, would you do polygamy all over again? Or was it, was it so detrimental to whatever that you would go like, man, if I do it over again, knowing what I know now I I wouldn't touch polygamy with a 10 foot pole.
1: I listen, I got these beautiful kids out of this situation, you know, I mean, I can't help. Here's the thing, I was going through some dark times in the past three years uh, as as our as our family began to unravel. And I was going, yeah, I wish I had never done this. But you go a little bit farther into it and you're like, wait a second, if I had never done this, I wouldn't have her, I wouldn't have them, I wouldn't have him. I, uh, my kids, yeah, I just, Yeah. That that's an impossible question. And it's a paradox. And I think <laughs> plural marriage is a paradox because listen, if you were to ask me, is plural marriage or polygamy good for society? I'm going to tell you, it has to be. And because you're never going to stop it. And the reason you're never going to stop it is because there's two things going on. Men are polygynous. We want to have one more woman, no matter how programmed we are for monogamy. And women are, um, what's the word? Um it's a word that slip in my mind where she wants a better man than the man she's got. Um, You guys would know the word. Um, And so they're looking for a better man. And so you're always going, as long as you have hypergamy, that's the word. As long as you have polygamy, you'll have hypergamy. And as long as you have hypergamy, you're going to have polygamy. I didn't know know the the word hypergamy.
2: We learned something Um, tonight.
1: Uh, and I I don't want to get into this because it's a very sexist word. Um, But, you know, everybody makes jokes about men and their wandering eyes. You know, everybody makes a joke about that. And the strongest monogamous still go hubba hubba when a good looking woman goes by, there's still a a biological nature. And it's, it's all been proven out uh, as, as far as I can tell accurately by modern, um, uh, uh modern evolutionary psychology yeah,
2: yeah there's like certainly truth to that yeah
1: as, as long as this woman as long as there's a woman out here who uh wants this married man this married man is going to want polygamy um i, I can't get away from it there because nature endorses it and i'm not going against the book the doctrine and covenants in section 132 i've had 3 years of hell uh, as I've unraveled my polygamy, but I still support those people trying to do it. And, um, I but I think people the one crazy thing is you have to enter it, um, in freedom, in choice, and with wisdom. And there's a lot of pressure from religion to make you feel like, hey, I've got to do this or that. That's what I wanted to
0: ask you, Cody. That's what I wanted to ask you because that's the overlay. And I know Bill has a a question he got from a listener that he'll approach you about when he thinks the okay. time is right, but but this whole idea about the, the freedom to choose. Do I understand it correctly that the religious belief based on 132, and it was in early Mormonism, you know, it isn't anymore, and I mean that in the official Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, you know, exactly. with uh, Russell M. Nelson being the president, that church, um,
2: prophet seer yeah. and revelator too, R.F.M.
0: Oh yes. Yes, thank you. Um, Do you believe or have you believed that entering into a polygamous relationship for the man and the women is something that is necessary for exaltation? And if Um, so, does that enter into the equation of affecting the freedom of choice of those involved?
1: Okay, so let's go back to this. You have to determine with that whether or not Joseph Smith was a prophet or Brigham Young or whoever invented, because there's there's some theories out there that it wasn't even Joseph Smith who-
2: Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, we're, we're crystal clear on those other theories, so.
1: <laughs> yeah, okay, so let's go back and let's just assume that Joseph Smith actually verbally repeated over and over section 132, and he had this magnificent experience and that it actually happened. And I'm not saying it didn't, I'm saying I wasn't there. And I don't know. And there's so many people who are part of a faith, and I was part of a faith that, for me, in so many ways, was fabulous and wonderful, and it brought me to this point that I'm now with all these beautiful children, with all this life experience that if I look back on with the right attitude. I'm really glad I did this with the right attitude. But you're, you know, you're talking to a guy who's been humbled through a, three years of hell and. And now it's gone, oh gosh, you know what? This was hard this three years, but man, didn't we do something really cool? So uh, no, I'm not going on section 132. Uh, I'm not going on Joseph Smith about plural marriage. I'm saying nature backs this and I don't want to get weird about it. Um, And maybe Christianity backs only monogamy. And I can support that. The issue for any of these relationships, for any relationship, I think, in society is choice. I'm talking to you guys because I chose to. Bill, you and I are buddies because we choose to be or we're not buddies because we don't choose to be. Husband and wife get married, and our culture, modern Christian America, from sometime around 17-whatever, or Plymouth Rock, 16-whatever, we've been this monogamous culture that says, A husband and wife. Well, you know what really sucks is if you marry the wrong person and you can't get out of that mess. Or if you marry the right person, they change drastically and you can't get out of that mess. Modern society, right now, you know, men and women can make the same amount of money. You don't need to be behind a plow. So you don't need a lot of muscle to be very, very successful in modern society. So men, men and women, sadly, don't need each other. Considering myself still Christian, with an open mind, I'm like going, yeah, Jesus says the man isn't without the woman, the woman with the, isn't without the man, but having been divorced, I'm like going, wow, I wouldn't want to keep that woman in this mess with me. And I sure as hell don't want to be in that mess with her.
0: Yeah. First Corinthians eleven, eleven. But by the way, Cody, am I hit sensing from you that you are somewhat ambivalent now on whether you believe section 132 was actually a revelation to Joseph Smith from God? I wasn't there. That sounds ambivalent.
1: It it is ambivalence. Um, uh, I got so many friends that are LDS and very devoted to it. I have more friends who are ex LDS and have a lot of criticism for it. And I'm going, you know what? Pick your medicine, you know, because these things, if they lead you to enlightenment and blessings, and I've got, I got a dear friend who would have been at, piece of doo-doo if he wouldn't have been just buried in Mormonism. Mormonism gave him so much goodness. And I, I have the deepest respect for him, what he's done with his family and everything. But I'm convinced it is because he chose to be a good Mormon, a good Latter-day Saint, you know? And, and so I'm like, uh, what ends well? All is well that ends well. And, you know, there might be people going to their grave and it's just a dirt nap. And, and well, they're not even going to be surprised because they won't care if they're not resurrected. But um, I almost, um, is it, uh, it's not Occam's razor, it's Pascal's wager. Pascal's wager says, was my life good being a good, honest Christian and, and living the gospel? Yeah. So I'd rather live the gospel at the risk that it's all a lie and have this great gospel-oriented life Than to not. And so I look at it and I've been through some fires, you know, emotionally and stuff like that. And I don't like the pressure that is put on by church leaders and by church neighbors. Nothing worse than having a good Latter-day Saint as your neighbor. If you're a mediocre Latter-day Saint, you know, it's just, it's just hell, constant judgment or being a good fundamentalist Mormon, trying to keep your family together while you're being judged by another better than you, Mormon fundamentalists, you know? The pressure from the culture comes in so much that it doesn't seem very redeeming. And I'd rather just hang my hat on on the Messiah, Jesus, and go, hey, salvation through Jesus Christ. Uh, And I think a lot of Mormon fundamentalists would say, well, that's the easy way out. I'm like, whatever, dude, I'm broken. I'm a broken person. And I need I a think Messiah. That's what Jesus
0: said, that this is supposed to be the easy way out. Take upon you my yoke, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I thought that was what Jesus said.
1: Dude, you, you, you know what? You're, 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 you're convincing me. You know, but Can I, I ask one more I, question, I, Bill? Go ahead. I apologize. If I that question right, then, then keep going. Yeah.
0: Okay, Cody, uh, I talked to you on the phone for approaching an hour last Monday, because I like to talk to guests before they come on the show. I'd never uh, spoken with you. I'd certainly seen the program a couple of times. So I'm far from being an expert on the series <clears throat> and you'd never heard of me, but you went out of your way in your busy schedule to text back and forth. And you remember what happened. I'm just letting the audience know. And we, it wouldn't work and in, the notes, like the
1: yeah, in the morning. Like Yeah, it was till the life.
0: afternoon. And then, you know, I called and then you said 10 more minutes, but you were very responsive. Oh, I remember you texted me in the morning and saying that you were going to be working on the television set this afternoon, yeah, yeah. that day. And yeah. then I texted you back and said, I think that when you say you're working on the television set, it means something different than if I said it. Yeah. Yeah. And so no we finally we finally contacted with, with each other. We had this very nice, pleasant conversation. You were very engaging. And um, I bring up all this background material. You don't know me, but I... Out of respect for your time, I at least three times tried to terminate that phone conversation. You must have been aware of that. And yet you kept Uh, going. Now, it wasn't just you talking about yourself. I mentioned something about my family. You
1: had something to share. And my daughter who doesn't speak to me. me. Yeah. Yeah. And my daughter who doesn't speak to me
0: also talked about, I know that you're going through a rough patch because I read People Magazine online about the fact that you're down to one wife, apparently, and that the other three have... Uh, flown the coop or whatever it is they've done in the last three years or so. And you're down to Robin with a Y and she's the most recent of your wives. And so you've been through, I think you said three divorces in three years. And I said, yeah, I've been through yeah, two divorces and a failed uh, engagement as well. But you expressed an interest in what I had to say. And I kept trying to stop it because the story kept becoming more and more elaborate. And I was aware of this. That.
1: I, I remember you kept going, Oh, gosh, there's more. This needs more background. Hold I on. I know. Hold, it needs more background. Otherwise, you can't well, understand give you it. more background. Oh, oh, sorry, not beer. Uh, hold my soda. <laughs> go
0: but my but my experience with you and by the way, and then finally, when you when you got off the call, it was because you said you had to go to a meeting. And I realized that you had given me all the time that you had between this engagement and this engagement. And I just thought what a nice, nice fellow. And now I'm becoming aware of the fact that you seem to be a lightning rod for negative criticism, if there's such a thing as positive criticism, but very, very negative comments from a myriad of people. And I'm a little bit at a loss, but that's because I don't know. Do you know why that is? Why do you think that is?
1: I know exactly why that is. Um, The only way I had credibility when I came out public as a polygamist was because my wives were backing me up saying I was a great guy and that we were worth it together as a family and that I was a good father and husband, yada, yada, yada. All my sins were covered by a cloak of charity from these ladies. When they left or I left or whatever, our breakup happened. Now, all of a sudden, we no longer cover each other's sins with a cloak of charity. And Mm -hmm. my public persona has become what I would consider personally, that I am the heel of the show. Um, unfairly, I think Robin, my my current wife, um, my only wife now has become the heel of the show also because of the, for the same reason. From the very beginning, um, the first season ends with Robin and I getting, having a wedding and going on a honeymoon. While I'm on my honeymoon, that sacred loneliness that my first three wives Had was um, invited out by our experience being public, where they had always had other women they associated with that we kind of complained to each other. They never had a public venue to say, I'm jealous that he's gone on a honeymoon. While my fourth wife and I were gone on a honeymoon, a honeymoon that my other wives all got, um, they criticized that and I think established, um, I don't even know, this is just from my perspective. I don't know how this happened, but a criticism of her. And I think for years, she may have been a heel of the show. Absolutely the kindest woman, a little shy with boundaries. But um, I think trash talking from other people um, the people who used to sing my praises and trash talking from these same people towards my fourth wife uh, kind of did some damage. And the public, you know, like if you it, both of you should go back, just watch every episode from the beginning to the end. And then the two of you just tell me you see anything. I, I want to know do you see anything wrong with Robin. Uh, and because I, I, I trust you guys enough to let you do it. I'm not listening to anybody else because I'm loyal to her as she is loyal to me, but um, it's simple as that. Sorry for the long answer to just make it short. I'll put it in a nutshell now, RFM. Uh, we were backing each other and now we're not. And now it's just a big trash talk. He did this, this, and this, and this. He changed, he did whatever. Sure, I changed. Yeah, um, a, lot, a lot has happened. And so I said, the fool blames everybody else and the wise man blames himself. The stoic doesn't lay blame. I wish there was just more stoicism and just say this is just the way it ended or the way it worked out. Would, would you ever blame blame? Would
2: you ever take another? I'm gonna ask, uh yeah. Would you ever nope, take another polygamous spoiler, spoiler? That's it.
1: Nope, spoiler. You would spoiler never, I'm not talking about it. Okay. I'm not talking about it. That's a spoiler. All right. Maybe he gets married mm,
2: again. Maybe he doesn't, folks. Turn into maybe maybe that everybody wants to, to know. he's at eighteen or nineteen, yeah.
1: Uh, froggy went a court and he did right oh i'm sorry i'm being kind of piggish no no that's that's all right um, no, i appreciate I, 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 i'm not ready to discuss that here because totally. uh, it's it's that's something i i'm giving to the i'm, I'm saving that for the brand tlc
2: yeah no, no, totally understand well that.
0: say something for us so as far as joseph smith goes <laughs> does your ambivalence about section 132 extend to the first vision
1: Yeah. Yeah. Same story. I wasn't there. I can't say it didn't happen. Um, I love the story. Dang it. It's really cool. It's inspiring, but maybe, maybe it really happened. And maybe he's just not as interesting as J.R.R. Tolkien, but has a very similar story. I can't tell you. And and I say that, this is not very invested. I know it's not fair for me to do that, but I'm going through my life holding on to things that were special when I was young and I s- still pray to a heavenly father. And some people are going to think that's BS. I don't care about the criticism because there is either a God or right here. I am God and a pretty crappy God right here. But, um, Neville, was it Neville, Neville, uh, Neville Goddard or there was this, philosopher who said all the scriptures were all about the soul of mankind and that, you know, your upper, your, your, your frontal lobe was the God part of the thinking mind that, that allowed you to say, um, to do benevolent and wonderful things and to create in your mind, things that you would actually manifest in life. So somewhere along the line, I'm a real believer, but it's really hard to say what the truth is when you weren't there, we live by faith. Well, I I can't tell you, I've never met the Messiah, the savior either, but I'm still gonna pray in his name because I just don't know any other way than to move forward with um, a father in heaven and Jesus.
0: Well, trust me, meeting the savior is a great experience
1: thanks
2: Chris. also
0: there are some people <laughs> rfm have have you received your second anointing and you're calling i'm sorry election? i've been instructed i cannot talk about my most sacred cannot experiences <laughs> Real. Uh,
1: an angel with a drawn sword was over your head and and how many wives are you going to have now See, there are some the people cults,
0: by the way who would say that if there is a god that actually exists he's a pretty crappy god
1: i'll, I'll be fair here that the cults always seem to have some guy who thinks uh, that he needs more than one wife But nature says that too, so I'm not going to sit and criticize it.
2: I I wanted to ask, so I'm not a fan of religious polygamy. I'm not a fan of, because I think when you say, hey, here's the plan of salvation, here's how you get back to heaven, and it requires that polygamy happens.
1: Seems like the choice is out. Yeah, it it takes away the choice.
2: Yeah, and it becomes almost always patriarchy, and it almost always has uh trauma being ready to be given to the women namely but also the men but the women namely
1: Dude. Um, yeah. so so this is one of the places where i kind of doubt if you went to a bunch of men in a priesthood meeting or something and said hey boys we need all of you to have three wives you, all some of these guys because their christian disposition is going to go no rant and rave uh horror terror this is terrible and then you have half the guys go sign me up you have to browbeat a woman into believing that I think unless yeah. she's looking at this guy that she's digging on and she's like, yeah, he's already married, but I'd like to marry him too. And that's called hypergamy. So you have Joseph Smith, who's basically in the time 1840. He's a freaking rock star. He's loved by many and he's hated by some. Okay. Okay. But he's a rock star, man. Where he goes, people are just, women are fainting. These kind of things might have been Long those long eyelashes. I have no idea. So when he dies and there's rumors of polygamy, oh yeah, you got about a bunch of 14-year-olds going to raise their hand and say, you know, because 14-year-olds. I was a 14-year-old once and I had all these girlfriends that I wanted to like me who were digging on Scott Bayo. You know what I'm saying? Or whoever Charles the heartthrob was you know, I mean, they're, they, they're like, I was nothing. I was chump. I like these 14 year old girls. They all liked some rock star. Okay. So you got these 14 year old girls who are saying, I was married to Joseph Smith. And I'm like going, yeah, nobody's, nobody knows what the true story is here. Okay. And that's where I'm at. is like, I don't know that it didn't happen. I don't know that it did. I got a lot of inspiration my whole life from the book of Mormon. I literally think that it's genius, boring, but genius. And this is why, because there's so many factors in it, even in Joseph Smith's life, the life, you know, you can go back and you can time it with, uh, uh, if you go to a Torah, a, a, a Jewish calendar, and you can find Joseph Smith's, uh, birthday is literally, uh, of 1805 is literally the, the, the day where, um, rabbinical, not rabbinical, but, um, Hasidic Jews, I'm not really sure, would light the candle on the menorah, the the seventh candle. The seventh heavenly messengers' birthday was on uh, January, or I'm sorry, December, or December twenty third of eighteen o five. I'm like, so you're saying Whoa! that um,
0: they were celebrating Hanukkah then?
1: Yes, they were lighting the candles of Hanukkah, and and uh, Hanukkah it's it's actually Hanukkah is. As a name off, it's it's the feast of dedication, is what it is. They have the seven candles and they represent this seven angelic eras. And the last candle gets lit on Joseph Smith's birthday. Coincidence? I don't know. There's there, and here's his whole life um has these kind of weird coinkydinks. dinks. And it's like it used to be very faith-promoting for me, but then I'm like going. But guy was a rock star, and he liked other men's wives. Or is that true? I don't know. So I wasn't there. I don't know. And anymore, I, I had so much inspiration from the Book of Mormon, uh, and the Doctrine and Covenants, and things that just worked for me. Was it plagiarized? I don't know. I've I've, I've listened to you know. I've been on what's the other podcast? Your competition? That's we don't mention the here. On? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> the, I don't the, know. Uh,
2: from, Mormon more stories. stories on? John
1: is John DeLynn, Yeah. Yeah. And, um, frankly, one of my best friends from high school was his mission companion.
0: <laughs> oh, really?
1: Dish dish. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, he's, his, this friend of mine has nothing but good to say about John DeLynn. So, yeah. um, I, I don't know. I I'm, it's, it's not fair for me to not invest in where you guys, um, are following here, but I'm not, I'm not ready to throw baby out or bathwater out. Uh, I'm, I'm not willing to be subject to the whims of some man. And if I roll that back, like I'm not, I'm not going to follow my prophet. Hell no. I ain't following the Mormon prophet either. Hell no. Is that my rebellious nature? Probably. But if I roll that back, there's only one church leader too: Ezra Taft Benson in the Mormon Church and our prophet in my church, Owen Allred. Were my two favorite prophets. Owen Allred never claimed to be one. He was just the head of our church. If I keep rolling that back, criticizing like I would never be subject to what these guys were subjecting their people to, I wouldn't have been willing with this attitude that I've got now to have been subject to Brigham Young or to Joseph Smith. So I wouldn't have lasted long in the church, ever. Yeah. I so, I, but I'm not saying it was wrong.
2: The, the, I didn't get the question out. I want to, I want to say this question again because, um, I was saying I'm against religious polygamy. I think it's always unhealthy when you pressure people into relationships and their salvation's on the line. That said, there is plenty of polygamy out in the world, and I don't have any problem with multiple women or multiple men, uh, getting together with a, a woman or man and deciding they want to cohabitate and have a group relationship. That's none of my business. But I do want to ask you, for anybody out there who thinks about polygamy, they want to do that. Again, not the religious stuff, but just polygamy in general. Any advice you have for people entering a polygamous relationship? Like, um, Because there is a subgroup of people who look for or do that, and I'm just curious, knowing all the experience that you have, if you would if you would have any advice for someone having that sort of a relationship, or would you say, like, don't do it? It's just it's not gonna go well generally.
1: I'll quote some, I think it's Chinese scripture, Sun Tzu. Know yourself, know your spouse. If you don't know each other, you're screwed. Yeah. So know know what you're getting into. And that's yeah. very difficult, but you gotta know what you're getting into. Yeah. I, I'm not gonna disparage plural marriage. Um, My experience was challenging in it and rewarding in it. Um, So I I just, I'm not going to sit here and just, I want to disparage it because I want to blame plural marriage for my failures, not me for my failures, but Mm. it is what happened. And there are successful polygamists who go to their grave with a family or wives that love them. I struggle to believe that there's a lot of real deep happiness in plural marriage, but let's, let's, let's move wider, Bill. Um, No, I'm not a fan of a religion that says this is required of you or you'll whatever you, you don't get to heaven or however it is. I'm bothered by that because I think that men were going, yeah, sign me up. Whereas the women were being told that they wouldn't make it if they didn't do it. That's not fair, but I will say in plural marriage where people are cho- choosing to be in it and they're wise about how they do it, then maybe it's a blessing to them because there are those places where a woman's like, I love my husband and I love my best friend. And her best friend says, I love that woman's husband and that polygyny, or not polygamy that, uh, I forgot the word again, sorry boys. Polyandry? no um oh a hypergamy hypergamy yeah that's gonna happen you you get a guy who's um high performance great guy treats his wife like a queen there are going to be other women who want to be treated by that guy that way and i kind of feel like that's how my family came together um at least a little bit where i had a couple of wives that came into the family saying i like what's going on here i want to be part of it yeah
2: I, uh, I want to ask a couple questions here about your religious faith and you seem to have indicated that you aren't convinced that Joseph Smith was married to girls, you know, under under the age of 18.
1: Let's, let's just say, um, I catch the vomit in the back of my throat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not saying that he didn't or that he did, but I think he did.
2: Yeah, and, let's and, and and let's a, do that. I got a problem. I got yeah, yeah, a problem. totally. That's that's the question I want to ask. So let's assume for a moment that he did, and I think the evidence is, again, I know there's a subgroup of people who would fight up against this uh, this conclusion, and and they've got their reasons and their data points and their quotes that they use, but far and wide, the overwhelming evidence is that Joseph Smith not only practiced polygamy, but that he practiced, practiced polyandry, which R.F.M. mentioned, which is marrying the wives of other men but also that he had numerous wives who were girls, underage girls under the age of 18. Um, and let's just assume for a moment that's true. So a, a, a friend of our program, a follower of our program said, you know, ask, ask Cody this question. And so I'm just going to read it. He said, He said, I appreciate that you are not hiding, concealing and lying about your polygamy the way Joseph Smith did, nor are you taking child brides or marrying other guys' wives as he did. But having learned the controversial aspects of Joseph Smith's polygamy, how do you view Joseph Smith at that point, at this point, knowing those data points are most likely true?
1: Um, I don't like being a Mormon apologist, and it's it really requires sort of a spiritual rejection and an embracing of only the intellectual to say he was basically self-aggrandizing, it, or to, to, I have to actually say it looks like self-aggrandizement. Now I have friends, Mormon apologists, who say Joseph restored the gospel and he brought the Book of Mormon forth and then fell like King David, fell for the women and um women being hypergamous joseph smith was the coolest guy in town they were probably throwing themselves at him and okay not saying that it was justified no no no. i'm not saying that i'm just saying they were easy prey and if he was being a predator that's pretty sick and the judgment lies yeah the judgment lies on whether i there's some way that Maybe God ordained it in in the sense that, hey, you know, um, you know, in Ireland at the same time, in Ireland, you get some thirty year old rich guy who couldn't get his own woman. Uh, yeah, her parents would give her to him and say, "Yeah, marry him." But Joseph Smith was doing this stuff. If he was doing this stuff, he was doing it in secret, uh, nefariously and when i see a 14 year old girl i see a child maybe sometimes they have the woman's body but they're a child and i'm like as a dad it's like i'm i'm not i'm not doubling down on this just listen to what i'm saying if the wrong dad had that happen and when i said wrong dad i mean maybe the right dad he's got a rifle at Carthage's jail, okay? And he's looking to shoot somebody, okay? He didn't have the faith, he didn't have the revelation. He didn't have God tell him that his daughter was supposed to marry this guy. And there were plenty of guys, um, Rough Stone Rolling talks about this, where William Law's son was dating a girl or trying to chase a girl or was interested in a girl got his heart broke because Joseph Smith stepped in front of him and took that girl to be his wife.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's it's not, it's it's not only that, that those acts happened. It's, it's that the history indicates that Joseph used a lot of heavy handedness, manipulation, grooming techniques, spiritual threats, time restraints on how quick people had to make decisions. And it looks like the way that predators in the modern moment groom, and prey on children.
1: It's pretty creepy stuff. I'll be really honest with you. It's creepy. And um, I don't want to sit here and invest in it because I wasn't there. And I don't know for sure the history indicates, but I know for a fact that history lies. And so um, I'm a conspiracy theorist. So um, I don't believe the histories that I read sometimes. And you've got me from years of indoctrination about this. So I'm not willing to throw it out, but the all indicates, uh, listen, I'll give you guys the win on this. If I was in an, in an argument, I, I can't support it. And it's left me in a place where the last time I actually tried to read the book of Mormon, I I couldn't, I just couldn't read it. And what I'm, so what I'm saying is I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to avoid your question.
2: Yeah, I get it.
1: I don't want to invest in the answer because it deletes. If where you're going, Bill, is to say Joseph Smith was a fraud and a crook, it deletes so much of my past. And what I want to say is just like that bad marriage that ended, I'm still glad it happened because all the fruit that I got from it with my children and my experience. So I'm not saying that Joseph Smith wasn't a crook. <laughs> if you want to say he was, I'll say, well, he might have been. <laughs> you know, that's where I'm at. Is it's like I delete my past and I invalidate the faith of my dearest friends when I agree with you. So I'm not I'm not trying to be mealy-mouthed here. Mm-hmm. I'm saying for me to invest in, in what you're saying is truth is detrimental to my psyche in some ways. And maybe the time comes where I finally just go, what a joke. And I'm, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm that close to it, but I'm, I don't want to do it here publicly. Yeah, yeah.
2: Totally get it. Totally understand. Um, I, I wanted to ask you, uh, in RFM, jump in. If you've got anything, I'm, I'm happy to Okay. I I was going to ask
0: you, I mean, I think you summed it up really well. in what you said at the end there, Cody, but why is it that you're having trouble reading the book of Mormon? If you're like me, you've read it like 20 times plus in the course of your life. It's like Donnie Osmond said, it's his favorite book. I felt the same way about the book of Mormon for decades. And I pretty much know it still backward and forward. Why would that be difficult for you to read? That's the first part of the compound question. And the second part is, do you have the same problem reading the Bible? And if not, why not?
1: The Bible, uh, contextually, is a literary work um, common in the entire world, Mm, most most of the entire world. Um, Same kind of stories go along with the Book of Mormon, a little less creepy stuff, but maybe... I'm sorry, I take that back. What I meant to say was um, similar. There, there's a lot of people who um, spend a lot of time discrediting the Bible, but what I love about it is it still tells a story, and a history, and the stories, whether true or not, are stories with moral value in the end. The Book of Mormon's the same way, but I <laughs> I struggle with it for exactly what Bill was just discussing with me. Um, the Book of Mormon is, is, is like Leviticus. <laughs> it's So much of it is so boring, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and it, like you said, read it many, many, many times. Book of Mormon, the Bible gave me a real history in my faith, um, kind of like a building block. But my real con- connection to God and and prayer came from more almost new age type of books um, where people would teach mantras about how to manifest or teach mantras about connecting with God. Um, Joseph Smith said that the Book of Mormon was most perfect book and by people living by its principles, and most of its principles are pretty decent. But I. the poison in my gut from the stories that I've heard for the past 15 years about Joseph Smith have really made it really hard for me to read the book of Mormon. Mm. And, and, and I, I don't believe that Joseph Smith restored the church and, and, uh, and translate the book of Mormon only to fall to polygamy. I'm not sure that, everything about what his experience was, wasn't a fraud. And I, I just don't know. Cause I wasn't there and I don't want to, I don't want to, um, it's almost like, uh, listen, it won't matter if I put the blinder up on this one. Um, because it doesn't, if, well, I guess if, if, if you were, if you're a Mormon, you're going to think that it has everything to do with my eternal faith, faith in Jesus Christ is what, christianity and even mormon purport not faith in joseph smith or even faith in the book of mormon book of mormon's design was to be a second witness to jesus christ and if maybe i just don't need the witness i just found it very difficult to read again
2: yeah um there are several fundamentalist groups out there that do polygamy um I got I'm wondering if you have any thoughts having lived it having having you know gotten the teachings on polygamy having understood why you know why in your system god commanded it again there's a, a whole host of breakoffs of mormonism that do it um, I'm I'm curious what fun, what your thoughts are on what fundamentalist mormonism could do to better ensure healthier happier polygamous families because I would like it to end. I'd like all these groups to just stop it. But the reality is they're going to be doing polygamy forever. So that's not really an option. But what maybe is an option is to convince the leaders of these systems that the way they do things is really unhealthy and maybe there's a better way to do it. I'm curious if just from your experience, if you have any thoughts on how these systems could better operate in that
1: doctrine these systems are all empowering the men at the top. It's a bunch of BS. It's about them having power and control over their people. So they're signing marriages. And in order to keep their daughters virgins, they want them to marry when they're young. And um, they have a whole philosophy that I struggle with because it's control and power and it's not the freedom of choice that people actually need. Um, and there's pressure. I don't know how you unwind that. I, I, I think that, let me, let me start with this because I'm confused on how I would answer it, but let me start with this. There came a point in my life when none of my wives wished any of our daughters into plural marriage. We basically came to a point as a family, kind of, not even discussing it. Just all of us kind of came to this point where we were like, "I don't want to live. I don't want my daughter entering into plural marriage." <laughs> That—that's a tell. So let's go back to this question: that You've got how? How could they correct their the mess they're in? Well, move into the century. What's the average marrying age now? Stop trying to marry people off when they're nineteen and twenty. Amen.
2: Yeah, make it 25, you know, like, 30 before someone can make that kind of decision.
1: Well, they're looking for babies and you have a yeah. window. Okay, Easy so, to
2: manipulate. Yeah.
1: Y- yes, yeah. Like, okay, listen. Now, here's the interesting thing in the church, and you can check these statistics, but these are statistics somebody told me. When plural marriage was accepted and normal in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the average woman would have five children. After that for many years into the 60s and 70s i think the average woman had eight children eight children i i think it was a lot easier on those women to have five you know the, and so what does a government want so they can print more money more population what does a church want so they can get more tithing More population. So they're perpetuating because, you know, a birthing window for most women is, you know, like let's let them at least be adults. So we got 20 to 40. You got 20 years. They're trying to Uh, warm bodies are not machines that can only make money. A famous song, favorite band of mine, Live. Well, Good women are not machines that can only make babies. And in these cultures, their dispositions are minimized. Now I love motherhood. I love women who want to have children and I've had a lot of children. And, but, and I'll be honest with you. If I would have married in monogamy, I would have wanted to have eight or 10 kids with one woman. And the average in my family is less than five per wife. Um, Not necessarily by choice, it would have been, the average would have ended up probably being, uh, would have probably been, but I had two wives who chose to end at six and they didn't feel any pressure to have any more after that. Um, So these churches need tithing, they need people, they need um, brains to brainwash, you know. And it, if and, and so none of them would listen to me. I'm the failed polygamist who yeah. put egg all over their face yeah. now. Um, but my advice would be to let them have a happy life. So one, allow them to choose who they marry, both men and women. Because in some of the sex, the women get to choose who they marry and the men don't. Other sex, you know, like the men get to stack them up, and depending on if you're kissing the behind of the prophet enough, you're gonna end up with a lot of wives. Ridiculous. Yeah. Figure number that works. You know, like what is the the Quran will only allow five wives or is it three? I don't I don't even know. But holy cow, you know, 10, 12 wives? Give me a break. Is that a life for a woman to have? I mean, I had four wives and and it was hard for them. I think my wives would have been you know if my family would have been smaller it would have been maybe easier but the more wives you have the the more likely your failure rate um, and that's just statistically out of my own church they say um, you know once you once you get more than three wives you you the the ratio of failure exponentially higher mm-hmm. um, and uh so but I have people i know who are still successful in plural marriage um even with more wives you know with five or more wives so i like me it's all about choice and it's really like back off with the pressure don't make plural marriage the end-all be-all but i think that's coming from the man you know you go into a church that that allows more than one wife it invites a certain kind of guy very possibly i'm not really sure but see it was my mom who bore her testimony of plural marriage to me and read me section 132 when I was 14 that made me go, yeah, I'm going to live plural marriage. It was easy for me to sign up though. I was a guy shouldn't have to pound that into my head. I, I bought with one testimony
0: and a 14 year old guy to boot.
1: Yeah. And if, well, I believed you know, I, I believed what I was reading, you know, yeah. and I believed my mother, interesting that it was my mother uh, perpetuating plural marriage. But Um, and she was a real believer all, all the days of her life, you know? So, uh, I, but these sex, okay. Choice. Let, let a little, get some college degree. You know, if you want people who are going to be successful in plural marriage, give them a chance to leave the culture. Um, because, you know, like let them go to college and get a degree and figure out a way to support themselves. If a guy has four wives, he better have really really smart wives who are industrious and educated. Otherwise he's going to be just squalor and poverty. It's, it's a, it's a tough place. And, uh, but it's hard for me to believe that it's not really about the self aggrandizement of the leaders in all of these sects. They, they, they're, they're worn out. These leaders are worn out. They're tired. They're sort of sick of it, but yet they, and I don't think they believe it. None of them get revelation. Come on, liar. Yeah. you know, they're, they're at best they're inspired. And, uh, but I, but see, that's my criticisms coming from a place where I've been so far removed from it. I don't even know. I don't, um, I just don't believe their BS. You tell me that God's telling you something for me. No, 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 no. God will tell me I'll, I'll go talk to him. Yeah. Okay. No, I don't so need I, an
2: intermediary. I'm right I, I here. If he wants to speak to me, want, I don't
1: want, I will allow if, if the, if, if it's true and I'm still an if person, I've got faith, but I don't know because I've never met Jesus, but I'll let him be the intermar- uh, intermediary because I believe in that. But I'm not going to let Jill Smith be my intermediary. What a yeah. messed up life. I'm not going to let uh, any of these other leaders do it either. And so it's like uh, the only way I think that these, these cultures are not going to survive without the forms of conviction that they are using, they're just not going to survive unless they're just pounded into their heads. And so that's what they're going to do. And by having that pounded into your head as a kid, you're just going to lose, You're, you're not, you're going to buy it because it's pounded into your head or you're kind of going to go, you know what, I'd like a normal life.
2: Yeah. Totally. But
1: I don't know the answers because yep. I've had uh, way too much experience to feel like I should be the one being asked, but I'm giving you just my personal opinion yeah. and totally. everybody, every man, woman, and adult child has to choose for themselves, uh, um, what their path will be that they pursue. Yeah.
2: Um, Phone bank is full, RFM. I wanted to see, check in with you and see if you had anything else you wanted to ask. Otherwise, we'll go to the last segment of the show where we take live calls. Again, anybody in that phone bank, the questions need to be respectful. Um, we're excited to, ha- to have you on the show, uh, but we really are trying to have a respectful, cordial interview and allow Cody to share uh, who he is. And uh, I just want to kind of lay that out
1: to begin with. If it's so it's we've only um if, if it's full and we only have a few more minutes um if there's a question that i really don't know the answer to or can't really conjure yeah. up a question there's three let's, phone let's calls and so
2: we'll be good okay
1: um all right so, a- so keep it clean America? folks
0: yeah please. that's actually i have no further questions your honor we can go straight to the
2: phone lines <laughs> sweet then we'll take the first call here caller are you there Oop, give me one second it's just clicking uh have got like an hourglass here there we go caller are you there Let's try something here. Let's try that. I think I can. Look at that. What's the name caller? Hi, Allison. How are you guys? Allison. Awesome. Glad to have you on Mormonism Live with Radio Free Mormon and myself, Bill Real, and our guest, Cody Brown. Uh, Hi. What, what would you like to share? Hi, Norman. Awesome. Thank
1: you. Hi, Cody. We have a, a lot of the same friends. It's, uh, it's not really a small world, or maybe it is. Um, I'm a religious studies sociologist. I've studied uh, fundamental Mormonism for 22 years. I simply wanted to call and thank you as someone has a heart for fu- fundamentalist and uh, Mormon fundamentalism. this is a monumental interview of vulnerability from uh, much less someone that's like a quasi, you know, fundamentalist. I don't know. But um your vulnerability and your humility is appreciated. That's all I will say. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. You guys have a great night. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it, Allison.
0: Thank you for the call. How's that make you feel, Cody?
1: Well, it's the first time I've been called humble. <laughs> Thank you.
2: I think it is risky, right? You, you know, to sit here and not know what questions we're going to ask, um have no idea where the conversation's going to go uh so there is a degree certainly of vulnerability and, and we
1: appreciate that well you um, guys are both i think both non-antagonistic ex mormons and you know uh bill <clears throat> and I my friends so anyway go ahead sorry you've never seen bill riled
2: i i Revealed can be antagonistic Ryle. a little bit um,
1: I, I heard you two both poking a little bit yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, we do a little bit of that, but I, I also, you know, I, I want to completely respect the fact that you've given us an evening of your time and it, it I told you in the beginning, this wasn't going to be a game of gotcha or trying to corner you. I, I really want to give you a chance to wouldn't. talk about uh, the, the TV show, to talk about uh, living polygamy and to talk about your religious faith. And so I think we, we did that. All right. Uh, caller, you are on, what is the name? Hello? Uh, yeah, yeah, you're on the show. What's the name, caller?
1: Uh, my name is Kelp. Oh, yes. Kelp? Um, I, was, I, was,
2: um, I was just wondering, you
0: explained in the last episode how you thought a wife was disloyal if she kept her from her husband, but Robin does the same thing from
1: her first husband.
0: How do you explain that difference? Mm,
1: Robin never did that. Um, he had access to them all the time. Her
2: husband, He's dying so, of
1: cancer. Do her kids know that? Um, her kids have chosen. Um, well, let's, let's go this direction. I, this is one I'm going to have to pass on guys, because yeah. this is oh. about somebody else and oh. somebody else's life. I'm not interested in answering that question. Thank you. No worries.
2: I'll drop the call. Thank you. Yeah, no sweat. All right. And this will be the last call we've got. we usually excuse me. We usually take three calls, and this will be the third one. Caller, uh, you're on the air. What's Hello. The name.
1: Hi, is it me?
2: Yep, it's you. What's the name? Uh, my name is
1: A. Oh, awesome. Uh, my name is Amy L. And I'm calling from California. Awesome. And I wanted to ask Cody, um, do you still believe in eternal marriage and the covenant that you made? You know, with those with all four of your wives. Do you expect? to be reunited with any of your now ex-wives on earth in the afterlife? life No. Um, I, I'm not saying I don't believe in eternal marriage, but I think that's on the merits of the marriage and how mm-hmm. God judges it. Um, I think um, the covenant of eternal marriage is something leadership, um, maybe Joseph Smith, they made up this stuff. And the reason that they made it up was because they wanted to give power of people over other people in a relationship. Um, by the way, thank you for the question, Amy, but I, I totally believe that it's a control issue and it's an issue of, of they introduced plural marriage at the same time they introduced eternal marriage. And what that did is that gave man the opportunity to have more than one wife while the wife had the promise of having her husband indefinitely because Um, simply of the psychology of the two different sexes and what they look for in these relationships. So I'm not saying that I don't believe in um, eternal marriage, but I think that's on the merits of the marriage. And if you didn't have your stuff together or didn't like each other in this life, you're not together in the next life. And I I argue that point with Robin's other mother all the time because she wants... She wants that marriage. She wants to own that man to the next life. And I feel bad for him because I'd be running from her. Hopefully, she's not listening. Oh, wait, God, can you guys edit that out? There's people that know that. Let
2: me let me let me say this, which I if I hear you correctly, what I hear you saying is that it's not predicated on a ritual taking place. It's not predicated on an ordinance or priesthood power. Rather, you're taking more of like the general Christian view maybe that if, if there is anything, if you have any relationship in the life hereafter, it's going to be because all parties wanted that relationship and they loved so strongly that they wish that continued throughout beyond this
1: life. I'm not not saying bill that the ritual isn't necessary. I'm saying that the love in the marriage is necessary. I think that a loveless marriage for people who are stuck in it because of uh, a covenant now, covenant is just a contract, okay? And any business contract I go into can be exited or can be broken if one party or the other doesn't abide by what is there. But it can also be exited. Bill, if you and I have a business together, you and I can agree to dissolve the um, agreement, the, the, the contract. And that's all a covenant is, is a contract that you're making with God and if 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 you and your wife do not love each other it, with an eternal nature then why would god hold you in that eternal prison so i'm i'm not a believer in eternal marriage where the parties aren't both willing to make that work or happy to have that experience so personally if i if i'm not in a good marriage with an ex wife or something like that or or we don't make amends in this life somehow or something. No. I don't expect it to be eternal. And um, I'm still going on faith that we just I'm like, I'm being real here. I hope in a hereafter, I don't know what it's like. I hope in a hereafter, possibly a resurrection, but it might just be a dirt nap. Yeah. If that's the case, It's just stuff to control humankind while we're here on earth. And I don't like that. I want my freedom to determine if we're going to stay together. And I want her to be free to choose. Now I might be mad about how it went, but if she's not wanting to be with me, I'm not putting her in that prison. Yeah, That's wrong.
2: Yeah. I I was watching a, a late night TV show. I can't remember what it was, but Keanu Reeves was the guest and the host of the show said, Keanu you know tell us about what you th- what you know to happen when we die and the crowd sort of laughed cuz who's keanu reeves to tell us anything about the hereafter but his his answer was beautiful which is he said i know that the people who love us will miss us and and the added thing to that is i would like to think that the people i love and who love me back would want to be with me more after this life is over. And so I think, I think that hope is something that a lot of us have. And Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, I, I appreciate it. RFM, any closing comments from you? Uh, otherwise, we can start I will say the that, show. that your last
0: comments there, Cody reminded me of something that president Oak said in this most recent general conference. It hasn't gotten a lot of play yet. And I'm not sure I mentioned it a lot in my review of conference, but even in this uh, LDS church, the Brighamite Church, or Joseph, whatever you want to call it, the Brighamite Church. You know what I'm talking about.
1: The modern LDS Church.
0: Yeah, the real church. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you go. One and only true. And the living ones
1: who have the corporation.
0: Right, the yeah. one that Dallin Oaks is a, a president in. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. No, at yeah. at the end the of one his that talk, has the
1: corporate claim to be in the real church.
0: Yeah. it's the it's the only true and living corporation. All's the trademarks of God upon the face of the earth. That's what it is.
1: Stop. I got to go to the bathroom. You're going to make me. Really? Okay. <laughs> do you so have to funny. go to the bathroom yeah. right now?
0: Because I'm almost done. No, let me quote Wait, him. Okay. No, just because even in laugh. this church that has, you know, the, um what do you call it? The, uh, the ceiling power. And that's the big thing. And they got the keys and they will talk about it every conference to make sure the audience doesn't forget that they're the ones with the keys and nobody else. Um, He appends in almost uh, the strange way. It doesn't really have anything to do with anything else he said, but he wants to make sure that even in this church that has the sealing power and you have to be sealed you have to be married in the temple for time and eternity to reach the highest you know degree of glorious celestial kingdom we all know how that goes and yet and yet probably responsive to pressures or comments from a lot of members of the church he says this at the end he says we have a loving heavenly father who will see that we receive every blessing and every advantage that our own desires and choices allow Now, get this. We also know that he will force no one into a sealing relationship against his or her will. The blessings of a sealed relationship are assured for all who keep their covenants, but never by forcing a sealed relationship on another person who is unworthy or unwilling. And then he closes with his testimony.
1: Now, don't like the unworthy or unwilling, because, no, was that just the inclusion, or was that the caveat?
0: It's like anybody who's unworthy, uh, these sealed relationships, i.e. your marriages for crying out loud, right? Yeah. Your marriages is what he's talking about. It's like you have to get married in the temple by the right priesthood authority with the right keys in order to make it to the top of the celestial kingdom. But it's like he's right. allowing that once you die and the, the resurrection happens, It's going to be a free-for-all.
2: By the way, isn't this the same church that requires you to write the first presidency a letter and to request a temple cancellation, and they have the ability to say no? Oh, yeah. Okay, just wanted to check. Great.
0: It was a strange thing, and I know that he's saying that because he's getting pressures, but it sounds like there's a lot of people out there who aren't really satisfied with the idea of spending forever with their current spouse and want to maybe— do an upgrade in the resurrection.
1: (laughs) Well, polygamy and hypergamy. That's what uh, my church would teach. They would agree with him because we're going to take these women who don't like their husband and allow them to have the husband of their choice. And, you know, in the history of my own family, I had Brigham Young release one of Lorenzo Dow Young's wives from him and sealed her to Joseph Smith.
0: Hmm. You know, and Dallin Oaks says these things, and I don't think he ever thinks like one step ahead of what he's saying, because obviously, if that is the case, President Oaks, then you're going to have the possibility and indeed the eventuality of having men stripped of their wife, which makes them not eligible now
1: that's for the, against,
0: yeah, for the goes, celestial kingdom. They can't be that, exalted now because they don't have their wife, and it's all because yeah. their wife really didn't like him that much. And is this and the way against, heaven's
1: run? It goes against everything that's written in the Old Testament. the Old Testament. I'm sorry to say this, and I don't mean to be um, disparaging to women in any way, but the Old Testament was very much about property rights. And and, uh, um, you couldn't strip a man of his wife in the Old Testament. And uh, finally, Moses authorizes a writ of a divorcement. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says later on, um, divorce is because of the hardness of your heart. And I get that. I get that hardness of your heart. And if you were truly righteous, we wouldn't have divorce. If we were truly righteous, we wouldn't force people into marriages. If we were truly righteous, we, wouldn't, we would not give counseling, premarital counseling. If we were truly righteous, um, we wouldn't force people to stay married to somebody who was a crook just because they were sealed.
0: And yet the problem with this theory, I, I think, is that none of us are truly righteous.
1: righteous. <laughs> yeah, the bills listen, of um, I, I believe that in the end, either we make choices and we find people that we're, here's the thing, there's a I have a real belief that unrequited love is some other disconnect from an energetic experience um if she doesn't want to be married to you dude <laughs> you're an idiot uh if you want you're to are an idiot force for her pursuing to, her yes yeah 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 she she like um lorenzo dow young's own wife wanted to release said she wasn't happy and brigham young silver joseph smith released her and still her to Joseph Smith. And uh, the reason I know this story is because Lorenzo Dow Young is one of my (laughs) great-great-grandfathers.
0: Yes, he was the founder of Dow Chemicals, I think. No, he wasn't. (laughs) Oh, I said, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Allegedly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So um, Radio Free Mormon, your Hmm. picture, um, you know, your iconic picture, not, not you now, but your iconic picture looks like a Mormon stake president.
0: <laughs> really, I look that well off, yeah. do I?
1: Yeah, yeah, you're nice and clean shaven, the perfectly colored hair. A nice it's funny that what made you think of, of it
0: was when I mentioned Dow Chemicals, i.e., hugely, hugely successful and lots and lots of money. And then you yeah. say you look like a stake I'm president.
1: A, I'm not an heir to that. So <laughs> anyway. It's been great, guys.
0: Yeah, it's been a, thank a you so much for coming on the show, Cody. I will let You're Bill welcome. finish it out, but I wanted to thank you so much for coming on the show, being vulnerable, telling us like it is for you right now at this point in your life.
1: Yeah, thank you. I I, I told one story, Bill, that uh, you know I I don't know if you talk about editing here, but I was a little too, I crossed a line. I was a little too vulnerable, and it was about other people's lives, not about yeah. mine. If you've got a way to get that out,
2: I will. Um, I will try to do that it's, this is a live show but I it looks like only Yeah, yeah. Um, because
1: because what it is is um it, i was talking about other people's lives yeah with my opinion and it's yeah. not my life so totally. i was talking with my opinion I'll okay, okay my so answer. that we
0: can find it so bill can find it to take it out could you repeat <laughs> what it is you said <laughs> no no.
1: let's just there. <laughs> let me
2: uh rfm <laughs> stir in the pot all right so <laughs> folks just a quick little note uh, we do a live show every Wednesday, 6.20 p.m. Mountain Time, Mormonism Live. We dive into the history. We dive into current events. We we try to talk about all things Mormonism. We would really love it. If you if you enjoy Mormonism and you want to uh, be partake in these conversations, please like this video. Leave your comment uh, down below if you haven't already in the live chat. And uh, please subscribe. Check us out every Wednesday at 6.20 p.m. Uh, Cody, thank you very much for your time tonight. I deeply appreciate it. Uh, This has been a fantastic conversation and I really appreciate you uh, taking time out of your schedule to have that with us.
1: I would like to say one thing. I apologize if I've offended anybody in their faith and their belief. That's not my intention. I'm simply talking from the meanderings of my own experience.
2: Yeah. Appreciate it, my friend. Have a great night, everybody. And we'll see you guys all next week. Mormonism live better than touching your own little factory.